so yeah, again, welcome to the first class. And it's nice to kind of have some different experience levels of meditation. I feel the people that have been meditating since their teens, right? People that have been meditating longer here. Um, I've been meditating now. Oh, I forget how old I am sometimes. Um, I think I've been meditating about 20 years. But interestingly enough, I had these weird flashbacks of my father leading me in meditation when I was like eight or something. Because I think he had anxiety attacks and he used to have me lay down on the couch and he lay down on the other couch and he'd walk me through relaxing the body in stages. So I think I've probably been meditating my whole life, actually, now that I remember that. And I found that when people have been meditating for a little while, they start to kind of understand that landscape a little bit. And so they help to hold the energy of the room, but also can really get some of the fine tuning in. And the people that have never meditated before, I also feel that these kinds of classes, it's a really good introduction. It's a really good step in. The best part about meditation is that it's easy, is that there's really nothing to do. Yeah? And it's kind of that weird paradox because all you have to do is nothing, and yet that seems to be such a trouble for everybody, is just to stop. So when I teach meditation, I try not to focus too much on the end result. So if we focus on being relaxed, we're probably going to end up causing ourselves more stress. Okay, does that make sense? So for instance, when people have trouble sleeping, right? When we have like insomnia, what do we do is we lay there and we're kind of like, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, we start to get all tense and bent out of shape because we can't sleep, but sleep is something that happens when you rest and relax, right? So it's like if somebody's having trouble sleeping, it would make more sense to maybe go take a bath, yeah? Go listen to some, do something that allows one to relax, and then even if you don't necessarily fall asleep, at least you got a little bit of rest and relaxation. And meditation, it's very much the same way. It's that there are really deep states of meditation, um, some of which are not really taught except to Buddhist circles and really in monasteries. But meditation can go incredibly deep. I mean, reality, mind-shattering deep where everything, huge game changers can take place on the deepest levels of meditation. The meditation that's usually taught to, um, you know, communities or people that are just starting, or even people that have kind of an on and off practice. I kind of think of it as a funnel, right? So there's kind of a big net that can catch. There's like a lot of apps and stuff, right? Also for meditation, there's a lot of meditation music on YouTube. And so there's a lot of kind of entry points and then it kind of brings everybody down the funnel, right? But what is the funnel that we're talking about? And what is the point that we're all trying to get to inside the funnel? So. The overview of meditation, I guess I could say, is that it begins with a mind that's totally focused outwardly. A mind that's totally focused outwardly, I would say is the thing that's the farthest away from meditation. A mind that is completely going through the senses, seeing, hearing, thinking, feeling, and sometimes it's called the monkey mind because the mind jumps from sense to sense, right? You see something, then you have a thought about that thing, then you have an emotional reaction, 
then you feel that and then you start to have memories about when you felt that or what that reaction means to you. Then you look again and you project that on the outside thing that you see and then you again react to that and then you do an action and then that creates more and it's kind of this endless cycle that it feeds itself, right? This is how the human condition is, um, is that we have external objects, we have our body with its senses and then we have a mind, yeah? And that mind is thoughts and feelings, we can say. When I speak about mind, I'm talking about the internal world. So the things that are not the material of your body. So the internal world, this is the mind. That's thoughts and feelings, everything you experience inside. So when we're caught up in the external, we're very much seeing everything around us, we're believing it, we're reacting to it, we're creating stories, right? Like I see Elizabeth sitting there, and I'm like, oh, she's looking at me like that again, she's expecting something from me, why is she always expecting something, that woman, you know, that I, I create a whole story about this thing that I see, I have feelings about it, I have thoughts, and then it becomes hers, and then I just don't look at her for the rest of the talk because she's there, and then when she leaves, she says goodbye, I just kind of, yeah, yeah, bye, you know. And then I create this whole thing, and then she gets angry at me, and the next time I'm angry, and then it escalates, right? So it's, I'm living out my own drama, right? I'm creating soap operas in my life, everywhere. Um, so we do this constantly in different ways, in different um, extents. Some of them, they really get full-blown. Some of them are really subconscious. It also comes back to our own beliefs about ourselves, our own beliefs about the world. Um, if I was a kid and I was bit by a dog, then every time I see a dog, I'll be afraid of it or I'll think dogs are bad or I'll live my whole life to not have to interact with dogs. Yeah to try to stay away from dogs. Somebody has a dog at their house, I just don't go to their house. Yeah, so what if instead of a dog biting you, it was you received a feeling of not being good enough from your parents, you know? Then you're constantly trying to get away from that feeling of feeling not good enough in your life, in your career. You try to build up a whole facade about who you are to not have to feel that feeling of not being good enough. You try to avoid situations. If somebody says or does something it reflects back to you a mistake you've made and you feel that feeling, you feel again wounded, you feel afraid, oh my god, I've been found out. You quickly try to put the facade back up, you blame that other person because now it's their fault that you had to feel that way. And we go through these huge stories and motions in our lives, right? the whole drama of life. Then there's also just our health and our job and our families and just worries and all sorts of things and stress. Is there anybody here who's never felt stress in their life? Yeah, is there anybody here who feels stress pretty often in their life? Just curious. Yeah. Can, just let me see the hands. Yeah. This, is, this is important to, you know. Okay, so that's pretty much everybody or everybody. So stress as a thing, stress means that you're at war with the present moment, yeah? What stress means is that the present moment is here and there's something that you are not accepting about the present moment that you're trying to force to be different. For instance, if I'm trying to get into Boston to teach a meditation, but there's traffic and I'm late, I'm in my car, but I should be farther down the road than where I am. And the difference between where I am and where in my mind I want to be or I should be, the space between those two locations is called stress. Yeah? If I'm at home and my kids are screaming, I don't have kids, but if my kids are screaming and I don't want them to be screaming, yeah? The kids are screaming, but I want a silent house, yeah? Or I want to feel like I'm a good parent because a good parent's kids shouldn't scream or something, I don't know. 
right? The space between what is and what I want there to be, the space between those things is called stress, yeah? Stress has a function, right? If a, if a bear burged, you know, burged, barged through this, you know, into this room, the stress that we felt that there should not be a bear in this room, but there is, that stress would cause us to react, to jump up and hopefully run out that door and not try to fight it off with our blankets and cushions, right? That stress has biologically a function, and that stress also often helps us. The thing is, is that we've overlaid that stress into our daily lives. We're now like, if you can't send an email, our biology produces the same reaction as if a bear was trying to come through the door. It's that same feeling of threatening, that same feeling of something has to change. You know, all of the hormones are released into our body, but you're just sitting at a computer. You know, so all that stuff is being pumped through your system, you're getting tense, you're getting tight, but there's nowhere for that to go, and that's why people also like snap at each other, right? I'm sure we all know a few high-strung people in our lives, or maybe we are the high-strung person in our life. So whenever we're not really present with what's going on and just kind of accepting it as it is in that moment, there's that thing called stress. Again, stress can help create a change if it's necessary, right? If you're in danger, if you're feeling threatened, if there's a boundary that's being crossed, that stress really helps protect yourself and set that up, yeah? But there's also times where we feel stressed just because that's just how we relate to the world. We don't really understand what's going on. We don't re we're not reflective enough. So that's our daily life, right? Very externally, all the things we have to do, all the people. Then the next step in, so right, we're talking about the funnel, then you come a little bit in, right? So you're doing all the stuff, and then suddenly you say, my God, I feel exhausted. Okay, good, you're exhausted. At least you've taken a step in towards yourself and you feel that I'm exhausted, my heart's beating, I'm annoyed, I feel really tense, right? So we've taken that step from the outside world to the inside world. I'm really agitated, I'm really irritated, I'm really unhappy, something's really wrong, yeah? And then we're kind of in that world of like thoughts and thinking, is it this, is it that, is it everything, right? And then we say, you know what I need to do? I need to go to DCS and take a meditation class, right? So then we take another step in. Right? We've left the world outside of these doors and we've come into this space. Yeah, so right now, recognize what this is. We've now left our lives and come into a secluded space. Yeah, so we've taken a step away from all the chaos, all the noise, right? We're not having this meditation at your house. Yeah, it's here. So you've left all the external stuff and you've come here into this room. Okay, so you've come a little bit closer. But we're still sitting here, we're looking at each other, we're talking. I'm sure people are still creating stories in their mind about like what the hell is this guy talking about and what's going on and my leg hurts and all this, right? We're still in, in an interactive duality world, right? But at least now we're just more self-contained. This is like a monastery, right? So I lived in a monastery. This is a monastery. You come intentionally to a place to practice. The next step of this will then be that we close our eyes. Suddenly you've closed your eyes, you've closed your mouth, you've closed your body, right? And suddenly now you're in your internal world. Now you're not in the social level with everybody, now you're inside of yourself. Now you have your body, you have your thoughts, you have your feelings, you can still hear a little bit, but you're now kind of more inside, right? So you've come a little bit more inside. I'm gonna have you guys start to relax. I'm gonna have you guys start to breathe. You're gonna start to feel the space or the room around you. You're gonna start to get into a place that feels a little bit more open, a little bit more relaxed, suddenly you're not gonna feel your body as strong. Suddenly you're gonna forget that there's a room around you and you're just gonna be totally in your own space. 
eventually what also starts to happen is the thoughts start to slow down. Yeah. So it starts to come closer and closer. The thoughts start to slow down, then there's just kind of like a feeling of peace and space. Yeah. And the awareness just starts to gather and it starts to get more and more refined. See, this is a process of refinement. Because the more that you come in, the more powerful is your experience of your own awareness. And again, what I mean by that is on the very outside edge of this funnel, you're completely focused externally. You have no awareness of what's going on inside. And as you start coming in, you're getting more and more and more aware, but then the bigger chunks are falling off, right? Your life is falling off. Everything outside is falling off. Then the room falls off. Then your body falls off. Then the thoughts fall off, right? Then your emotions fall off, right? So everything starts falling off, and then what's kind of left at the base of that starts to get to be this place of just this awareness and this space and this peace. And I always tell people that it's really in our favor because it tells you that kind of like our natural state is actually a peaceful one. That when you actually let everything go, you don't find huge chaos inside, you find peace. So actually peace is our nature underneath all that stuff. So in a way, you know, all we have to do is let things go. All we have to do is drop things and leave things be to slowly allow ourselves to find our way and to sink down into that place. Yeah. So that's kind of the funnel that I'm talking about. So the question now would be, well, then how? How do we do that? Because I think you probably all on some level already know, yeah, that's what we're doing here. We want to meditate, come back to ourselves. But how do we do that? What does that mean? This is probably a talk that I could give for 24 straight hours, okay? Because there's so many different ways to get into that place, and everybody needs a little bit of a different impulse to get there. So when I just led this educators retreat for the Andover teachers this weekend, I sat in a room with 16 teachers, and I had 16 very different people. And over the course of this weekend, I had to lead a series of processes that brought everybody to kind of the same point. And I had to see where everybody's at and kind of say things in a certain way, talk to people, bring people over in certain ways. I had to do it all to get everybody to the same point. You know, um, people have told me it's like when they were in my retreats, like it's like you ran like a symphony or something, right? Because like you're almost like conducting all the different people and try to get them all to like go through these movements together. But the reality is that we're each going to have our own access point. So some people, the way that they're going to really relax and be calm is they sit and they just feel the gratitude of their life. They feel so thankful that they're alive. They feel thankful for the people in their life, what's going on. Some people, they really get to that place by feeling their breath coming in and out and just relaxing and just letting everything else melt away as they feel their breathing. Some people, they really can get there by feeling the space around them. And they're sometimes so caught up in their bodies that actually what they need is just to be in space, to feel space. Yeah. Um, some people need therapy to get to that place, right? Some people, every time they sit and they close their eyes, they're going to feel totally unsafe. Something's going to, oh my God, I can't really relax because every time I close my eyes and I'm silent, then all this stuff starts coming up. Then the memories from when I was abused as a child come up. Then the arguments that I'm having constantly with my partner come up. Then all the things that I haven't dealt with in my life start coming up, which is also part of what happens in meditation is that when you close your eyes and you look inside, you see everything you haven't dealt with. 
right? Shannon was saying that like, when she's home, she organizes her closet. But that's because when you have time, you're suddenly in your space and you look and you're like, my God, my closet's a mess, right? That suddenly when you have time and space, you just start to see what's there. Yeah, so I told the group this weekend, it's like if you're stirring a pot of soup, yeah, and then you pull out the spoon, that soup's going to keep spinning, okay? And that momentum is called karma. So karma is that we did an action, stirring the soup is the action, and you pull out, you pull out the spoon, and the karma, the force that we gave, keeps that soup spinning in the pot. So you're going to sit and you're going to close your eyes, and you're going to now be confronted with your karma. So the momentum, the force of your whole life, everything you've done and created, it's going to be spinning around inside of your head. And then you're going to have to start learning how to navigate that. So you have to be a little bit brave to meditate as well. Yeah? And you have to trust that this is going to work, that you'll find it. And the cool thing about that example especially is that once you pulled out that spoon, the soup keeps spinning, but what? starts to slow down by itself. And this is the really interesting thing about meditation, is that the more that you can start to kind of be hands off, the more that you can treat yourself gently, lovingly, easily, the more you can start making peace with what's going on, it's not like the way to stop having a restless mind, to stop thinking, is by grabbing the thoughts and choke holding them into submission so they stop. The way to stop thinking is that you have to stop thinking that you have to stop stirring the pot, that you have to leave your mind alone. And we'll sit in meditation, and you'll notice your mind is moving, and you're gonna grab it and try to do something with it, and then you're gonna say, oh yeah, Seth said leave my mind alone. And you're gonna leave it, and then something else is gonna come up, and you're gonna grab it and be busy with it, and be like, oh yeah, Seth said leave the mind alone. And it's gonna kind of come in waves like that. But that's the training process, right? Like everything, like right now I'm playing tennis through DCS too, right? We have to train our forehand, we have to train the backhand. You gotta get the muscle memory. You have to keep training that movement until you got it, and then it just happens by itself. So meditation is the same way. You're gonna keep training it, and more and more you're gonna start knowing when am I busying myself with my mind, and when am I actually able just to leave my mind alone and let it be. Yeah, and then it's slowly a skill that you'll build up. Some people can do it easier than others, but with practice, everyone can do it. So I would say for the next 20 minutes of class, we have 20 minutes left of class, I will lead a meditation from now to the end of class. Okay, if you've never meditated before, 20 minutes is not a long time, no problem. If you have meditated before, cool, you'll enjoy it. Um, and I will also be able to answer some questions later on, either after class or next week. So so I would ask that everybody sits in a position that they feel comfortable, that they feel stable. Um, sitting positions is something we can talk more about later. I could also individually help you with your sitting position. Again, it's always good to sit up a little bit. Laying down meditation often turns into sleeping meditation, so I would advise against it. <clears throat> this is the most comfortable thing, sorry. 